0: I was sitting at a petrol station last night and was coming and, and my mother of God, the window got tapped three <laughs> times in ten minutes. They are. That mad. was the one lad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're, they're mental about it, yeah. That's Don't go to rock. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts. OTBAM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent moves Graham Hunter, good morning to you. How are you? Buenos dias, chicos. Football, bloody hell, eh? Quiet 24 hours.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're talking to an Arabic country. Language, if you don't mind.
0: I'm already in trouble this morning about that. So let's just start with the (laughs) the timeline of events goes from uh, Leo Messi opening the scoring and everything looking rosy to Ronaldo being fired, essentially, and uh, the Glazers putting the club up for sale and France reminding us that, you know, we're not just champions for no reason. I'd say... When it comes, when the history of football comes to be written, those twenty-four hours are going to be as seismic as anything we've actually seen in a long time. If if the club, gets, it's a corn, If you're to get sold,
1: it's a it's a cornucopia, isn't it? It's an absolute biblical cornucopia of uh, fun. Where, where do you want me to start? Drop a pin, Jared. Drop well,
0: a pin. I, the, the Glazers' thing, I think, is um, is really interesting, right? Like uh, football clubs being sold. Liverpool are up for sale. Manchester United are up for sale. Chelsea have just sold for quite a significant amount. There's loads of golf money interested in football, and I just what what like what are you hearing? What do you think? What do you what are you saying about all this?
1: The, 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 the first you ask me what I'm hearing. The first thing to say is if you if you want to entertain two of those stories, let everybody be clear. I have this as a matter of fact. In the summer, at Ten Hag's coaching staff, sufficient numbers of the senior players who were consulted, other staff who were at United that Ten Hag inherited, all said. It's time for not get him out. Not we despise him. It's time to move him on, and the Glazers said no. It was absolutely one hundred percent a decision by the owners that Cristiano Ronaldo must stay. So the mess that you were talking about uh, and and how people will feel w- was caused by the owners. Um, as far as the Glazers are concerned, having read the statement, I think. That, because they've been so despised for their leeching of money and despised by people who are beyond Manchester United fans and not, if you were one, the, the level of desperation must have been high because any big club run in a way where it's tied its bootlaces together, which they have, ineptitude of appointments, ineptitude of uh, signings, vast wastes of money and money being leached out the back door to pay the owners the dividends. That's that's an implosion situation and, and therefore far in my opinion, far, far beyond the idea of not being competitive in the Champions League, not being competitive to win the title, having to work hard to make top four, all of these things could have become the tip of the iceberg. The whole the whole entity could have been shriveled into a prune uh, and financial problems could have easily come their way. So In my opinion, we have to be analytically very careful about what's being said. It does look as if it's up for sale, but will they sell? Will they change their mind? Will the buyer be the right one to satisfy the needs of the club, which is dynamism, planning, experience, a change in how they view the profitability of owning a club, or do they need profit? And for Manchester United fans who've been lashing out at City's owners or Newcastle's owner or PSG's owner, are you about to be in the same that you know, this is a a story which is it's very, very, very early gestation. There are many, many layers. And it's beyond just careful what you wish for, because there, there will be an array of options coming in the direction of Old Trafford. And it's not it's not for sure that the glazers will sell. I don't think I don't believe from what we've read so far. And and therefore it's a very, very complex story. And in the meantime, I suspect it means Uncertainty and disruption at Manchester United. Uncertainty and disruption in Lionel Scaloni's camp too. Um, Each game needs to be looked at in its own merits. So talking wholly generically is wrong. But there are some wider context conclusions you could draw. Uh, Without being parochial, I go back to Spain, Switzerland in the first game of 2010. And not the fact that Spain then won the tournament in Argentina can, but when you get um, a relatively skillful side in relatively good nick, but which is full of top-level players who are a little bit tired, a little bit jaded, and are a little bit smaller than their opponents, it, it starts to even things out. Saudi Arabia, in particular positions, particularly in the nine up front, very, very good. Two goals, exceptional. Their tactics, exceptional. Bigger, stronger, quicker all over the park. Totally committed. These gaps can narrow consistently, and while Iran and Saudi are different footballing ideas and different individual footballers, it did, to my taste at least, well, I'll give a little anecdote. Yesterday I was um, taking Luis Enrique Martinez, the Spain coach, from um, a flash interview area where, where people do um, interviews standing up, to I was granted a studio, uh, so there's a television studio in the in the state, in the... International Broadcasting Centre, where the press comments were taking place. And once he was behind the scenes, we got on unreasonable. He sort of leapt on me, put his arm around my shoulder, and I wouldn't do the Spanish. How's it going, Graham? England, whatever, England, last night, they were exceptional. I was like, mate, mate, hold on. I was dressed in an Iran strip. I'm Scott. Yeah, okay, fair point, fair point, fair point. Luis Enrique, my point, apart from his little joke, was he was exhilarated by what he watched when he saw England playing. And... So the four teams are not identical, but it does set, cast in very strong light the way in which England remorselessly were on form, fit, dynamic, pretty ruthless in when their their power plays of goals came in comparison to Argentina. So it's a broad brush, Shane, because four different nations, but there are still wider conclusions to draw about what, Lesser understood, lesser research teams can do to the bigger sides who who come jaded and need, after all their intensive concertina league campaigns, who need time to get their momentum rolling.
0: So um, you you brought up England there, right? One one thing um, that might happen here is that, like we've we've seen with Southgate, he plays that uh, style of play, that formation against teams who he thinks he's going to beat. But if, for example, he was to come up against Spain later in the tournament, he's probably going to stick in another defender and weaken the side significantly. Maybe they'll be hard to beat, but the chance of them winning that game in normal time suddenly uh, lessens. And it's interesting to hear that Luis Enrique is like, actually, this is amazing. They were really good playing like that.
1: He was bubbling. He was absolutely bubbling. And look, that's a big can of worms you've opened. I, I did on my podcast a real piece of analysis that I'm I'm, I'm genuinely proud of after the Italy final. And I think there are things that are endemic, inbuilt in Gareth Southgate that limit him a little bit. I think he's done, and I said this before, I'll repeat, it it was evident in Russia, as a guy who's come in and analytically assessed. What was in front of him the problems he suffered as a footballer with england the problems that his his elite footballers and he does have many of them are suffering the way in which the media ham- english media genuinely hampered the confidence and the exuberance of certain players he, he, the the squad feeling if, if i can use that phrase of of unity enjoyment of being together he came in and and with a scalpel he rebuilt everything that was the dead weight that England's football team had to be dragging, and then he's got in significant numbers of his very good players, understanding his ideas, relatively motivated to play for him, and on form, and no longer. I, I was England correspondent in the nineties, and, and it's hard to believe for multimillionaires even then they were multimillionaires, but the the the, the repetitive wearing down nature. Or the tabloids turning on them and hammering them, and their family's been sad and their friends been sad, and your dad and mum being up. Outra- that was that was co- utterly corrosive. On split second decision: Do I, do I take the shot? Do I make this pass? Do I want to go? He's changed all of that. Is he in those moments that you've begun to outline? Uh, we're game one, Joe. We have to be careful, but in the crucial moments of how do I play this big opponent? What's my team? I think often with time to plan, he's quite good. If you look at the way they attack um, Italy or Croatia and the opening stages of the semi-final of the World Cup, the final of the Euros, it's all there in game management during the game when it's you're on the touchline, you're not watching a video, it's hurly burly, you're drawing conclusions, and you're having to tighten your sphincter going back to your football bloody hell and say, yeah, this is what I know what we're doing. This is what we're doing. That's where I think there's a lack.
0: Does it have an influence, do you think, on Luis Enrique's approach, watching other teams in the World Cup be so no, effervescent? No.
1: No. Easiest answer you'll ever ask me for. Um, no. He has no... I, I've interviewed him twice since we arrived. Twice he said, we're daring, we're ambitious. Ambition to me means we play every team the same way. We will, we will not die of fear. If we die, we'll die of ambition of not being good enough. Front foot attack, entertain, aggressive. We want the world to watch us. Uh, he, there is absolutely no question that that part of his philosophy will never change, irrespective of which club or nation he's managing, or who's in front of him. The the ideology of may or the the concept of maybe might it be three four three today or might it be. Well, it won't be a uh, four-two-three-one. Those things, retouches, yes. But he lives by, and again, over. Like, I've, I've maybe had five interviews in the last eighteen months, one-on-one with him. He has three watchwords: attack, pressurize, ambition. He picks. He says. He always says. He picks his team based on how can each of these players attack each of them, and then. When we don't have the ball, I want my teams to press the other team until we get them. Not high, not the, the press that we saw with Pep Guardiola's Barcelona. There are various different styles of it. But anybody who will not pressurise an opponent and pressurise in groups will, won't play for him. And ambition is at them. Get at them every minute. And, and if, if we're 1-0 up with six minutes remaining, attack. Don't bank. Don't be conservative. Attack. So it's a simple answer to your question. I,
2: I, Graham, I guess, when you look at some of the groups and you look at some of the pathways that could come out of it in terms of last 16 and quarterfinals, topping the group could be very important in terms of setting your own pathway and, and avoiding some of the big guns. Like when you look at Spain's group, a lot of people kind of talking about Germany coming in under the radar. Um, look, Costa Rica game today, you'd imagine, even though I like, had totally forgotten about Costa Rica, topping a group of death with Italy, England and Uruguay back in 2014, one of the great shocks. Like what? What's the general vibe in Spain? Is it that that Germany are are no Germany of old, or that you know that that they, they can go on ahead and push on and win this group quite comfortably and, and maybe push on from there?
1: See, it's hard to talk to you about the general vibe in Spain. I've been here in Qatar now ten days. Um, clearly, I speak to media colleagues who are Spanish. I've read the today's football press. Do you know? There's almost no mention of the rivals or the group of death. Um, The general attention is on this baby Spain. Mm. There is a a wide understanding that this Spanish group, albeit it's very very junior, I think average age, am I right, might it be the youngest squad in the tournament on average age? I think so. Um, And therefore... I think there's a record over the months since the draw Shane there's been a recognition that if Spain don't beat Costa Rica this is one of those groups that they might not go through and I think that other nations will do well to look at Spain as we hope they trip up in the group because if they get momentum they can be dangerous I don't um, ascribe to there's been lots of studies and statistical modelling and all this kind of stuff that says Spain are the second favourites behind Brazil and it's going to be Spain in the final. Honestly, having been at eight World Cups now in various guises, I-, I think Spain lack a killer goal scorer. They're very slender, very lithe, very young and, and I'm not certain that they, that they portray us as-, as winners. But In terms of the Spanish media's appreciation of the rivals, they- they've become inward looking. The Spanish media and the fans have begun to enjoy this Spain side. They've begun to believe because of um, semi-final Euros, beaten finalists in the Nations, the first side to qualify for two um, Final Fours in the Nations League, there's a general belief that it, it can be fun to be involved in Spain again and, and that's been paramount ahead of thinking about Costa Rica, Germany or Japan. And But that phrase does not apply to the analysts, I've been talking to the analysts at Spain and they, they think they've got a very complicated job not only to beat these sides and go through, but to change the styles that Spain will need to or the tactical ideas that Spain will need to use in in to play three very, very different rivals.
0: Uh what did Enrique think of um Messi? He hadn't he had, had it was before the Saudi Arabia game.
1: Yeah, by that stage um he, he hadn't seen it. I, I doubt he'll have had a chance to see anything except the highlights there they're, you might know by now they're living next door to one another. Um, they I mean, both of them have spoken about the other recently because of that tempestuous time they had in in, in the move from 2014 to 2015 when David Moyes-Real Sociedad beat Barcelona. And there was a stand-up, you know, chin-to-chin, chin, <laughs> not quite punches, but, you know, finger-jabbing between Luis uh, Enrique and Leo Messi. So they live in Qatar University, the training pitches, and what's called the University Hostel, are right next door to each other, Argentina Argentina and Spain, with Hollanda a, hopping a skip away. It's a vast complex Qatar University with really, really good training facilities. And they don't need to share cornflakes over the breakfast table because they are distinct buildings, but they could lean out the window over the washing and shout, All right mate, all right gaffer. Could do if they wanted to
0: um what did you make of the Argentina performance? Like it is Is that the bit where you're thinking about Spain and the Swiss defeat and thinking, okay, they just need to calm down and and batten down the hatches?
1: It was odd, um, not just that they were beaten, but that they were beaten having taken the lead. Um, I I think if you unravel the the names and go backwards from the expectation that because they were three years unbeaten, and because Messi's been on form for Paris Saint-Germain, if we unravel all that and simply look at the, type, the two types of teams, it, in any game we cover, in any time you're at a Premier League game, any time you know it's Villa v Everton, whatever you want to call it, when, when you when you're beaten by two extraordinary goals, and I think each of the goals are pretty extraordinary. Emi Martinez is a good goalkeeper, threw everything up, both of them couldn't get there. Um, when you're hit by sucker punches like that, that 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 takes some of the juice out of the analysis about were Argentina tactically wrong or were any of them absolute rubbish. The, the, the effervescence uh, wasn't there. The ability to squeeze the game wasn't there. And there is no way you can look back on the previous three years of Argentina and Scaloni and say, well, that means it's all a myth. It was all a mirage. In my opinion, that I, I, I don't know if it was whose famous British commentator goals change games when you're when you're sucker punched by two brilliant goals like that, I think it takes the wind out of your sails. It when you're suffering for energy, it makes it worse. If you look at their performance, particularly Depaul, and if you look at the way in which it, it was, Saudi were quite good at nullifying Messi. It emphasises again how much Argentina rely on Messi to do special things, which is now special passes, tempo controlling, the occasional goal, a brilliant free kick. It, and and when, if you looked at Depaul, caught my eye a lot. He's been lethargic and not very influential for Atleti. I felt it was the same way again uh, yesterday. They looked like a team which needed um, fizz, which needed energy, and not conviction or quality or, or self confidence, but but energy. And I say again, th- those big teams that that draw on players who've been who've been thrashed. In their domestic season, to get ready, to get the, as many games played as possible to get here, they need to pick up momentum, and and that's why that first game now for Spain today, it, it, Germany against Japan can have a similar paint to Saudi um, against Argentina. I expect Germany to win, but for for Spain against Costa Rica, there is abs- Costa Rica are are in certain positions taller than Spain. Set plays become very interesting. Costa Rica are, have appointed a, a coach whereby the first half of the qualifying campaign won them two points. The second half of the equivalent number of games, they, they took 19 points. Um, Joe Campbell is the reference point up front. But um, Luis Fernandes Suarez appointed young guys and said to Killer Navas, back me, bring them through. So they have nothing to fear. They're young, very quick. They're on a great run of form. And physically, they can maybe try to do some of the same things. Luis Suarez said yesterday, I want to make it uncomfortable for Spain. So that first game phenomenon, and I think Spain have only won four of their first games in all of their World Cups. So it, what we saw for Argentina yesterday, I don't think it's going to be a unique experience.
2: Grim, um we're not going to stop talking about Kylian Mbappe to Real Madrid until it happens. Um I mean, watching him last night and if there was any doubts as to whether or not he was going to light up this World Cup if France go deep, I mean, every time he touched the ball last night you just felt like something was going to happen. Albeit the the opposition in Australia wasn't uh, world beaters. But um, are the top brass in in Madrid just licking their lips watching him at this World Cup?
1: No. Not at all, Shane. No. Um, Will Mbappe move to Real Madrid? Yeah, maybe. But let's be crystal clear. There are two primary objectives are Haaland and Bellingham. And that's for this summer coming. That's who they want to sign. That's who they believe they've got a chance of signing. My personal opinion is I don't think they get either of them. But while Mbappe, uh, uh, Florentino Perez is a pragmatic man. He didn't used to be. He used to be an absolutist. Over twenty. 20- well not 22 years he came in in 2000 he missed about a year so let's call it over just about 21 years of being president he's he's had to learn that occasionally you 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 you're flexible you adapt but the way in which mbappe has now three times turned them down has they're a haughty club Shane you know that they they, they they're aristocratic they they they're deeply stung by being rejected and therefore it's only if they don't get Holland that the idea of signing Kylian Mbappe will come back on the table. And at the moment, they, they, they definitely have not renounced the idea that they might tempt Holland away from City. I personally cannot see how or why that would happen. And I think City probably also beat them to Bellingham. So Real Madrid may have to rejig and, and, and rethink their plans, particularly the way in which Benzema's best-ever season probably has been followed by one of his most injury-hit seasons. So, yeah, but if you want my appreciation of Mbappe, um, I think he's not far from being the most exciting footballer, not striker, um, on the planet. I absolutely dote on him. I go back, I can't even remember how many years to John Collins interview. Um, uh, It's several years ago, and he said, listen, at Monaco, there there are some... Some brilliant kids coming through. There's um, there's this guy Silva. There's this guy Mondi. Well, look what happened to him. And there's this guy Mbappe, who they say, and this was in, this would have been Mbappe's first season at Monaco. And John Collins is so linked to that club and knows so much about them. He said they are saying at this stage already that he can be better than Thierry Henry. So many years forward, he's an extraordinary athlete. Does things at great pace. And there are moments when he reminds me of Ronaldo Nasario. Not identical in any way, but I haven't seen a player that made me think of Ronaldo Nasario so much since Kylian Mbappé. Uh,
0: congratulations on the documentary, by the way. I'm not sure everybody knows that you're uh, involved with it, but um, we had the director on last Thank week. You. He was uh, great as ever. It's, Duncan um,
1: McMath is a genius, Ger. Get him on every week.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking if we could just engineer a way to like just pick his football brain or his um, random thoughts and stuff it would be good yeah so he was excellent come here I, the, the other ronaldo um before we let you go cuz you've been very good with your time uh he gets what he wants united kind of get what they want and that they don't have to spend any money uh certainly the football side of the club get what they want i'm sure uh, team viewer are like oh my god again again more of this <laughs> uh which you know that that relationship seems um like it's on the on the rocks anyway so uh, I, I don't know. what What's next for him and this grand soap opera? Is there a European club who will
1: give him what he wants? I don't think that's the question. Ah, oh, we'll give him what he wants. There's an it. Okay, nicely phrased. Sorry. It, it's To my mind, it's the uh, immovable uh, object and the irresistible force because the irresistible force is Cristiano saying, I want to play elite Champions League football. And the middle logic is the clubs that can give him that predominantly don't need him or want him. Now, I will say that um, Todd Bowley wanted Cristiano Ronaldo in the summer. Fact. At that point, um, he spoke to all the people he's brought in, and he's acting sporting director as well as owner, and there was a broad consensus, and Tuchel was dead set against it. When Christian Pulisic um, understood that um, Tuchel was out and Potter was in. Pulisic's people spoke to the owner and the owner said, Potter will give him a fair chance. He'll be told we, he's an American, he's going to the World Cup, he's the men's team leader, blah, 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 blah. And Graham Potter has, been, has done it exactly as he saw fit with Christian Pulisic, rather than going, I've got American owners who want Pulisic in the team more, they're not directly in, interfering in the team selection, but they've made it clear that they'd like him to feature. And Potter's done his own thing, by which I extrapolate that Graham Potter, for as long as he feels um, either secure at Chelsea or feels, I don't care, I'm going to do it my way, I think will continue to resist um, Cristiano Ronaldo. So there's one of the minor possibilities gone. But people, are people at Paris Saint-Germain who know they're going to lose Mbappe, are they crazy enough to bring in Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, and pair him with Messi? My opinion is they are. I'm not saying they will, but they're, it's a never-ending piece of nonsense about what they're willing to do. They've got a very good sporting director now who's on part-time um, money because he also wanted to stay sporting director at Santa Vigo, and they're ignoring him, and I think that relationship's going to break. up. So, it, it's going to be an oddity if one of the clubs that can give Cristiano Ronaldo what he wants, which is elite level, chances to increase his appearances and uh, and his goals in the Champions League, give him a, a, an open door. But and the key to your question is, does Cristiano Ronaldo now look differently in the mirror and reassess himself and say, I have to continue in my training regime, my ambition, my my attitude, but tailor my demands a little bit and if he does then maybe there's a place for him if he doesn't then I, th- I think he's going on a, on a farewell tour of an Arabic you know, rich petrol driven, uh, oil driven you know, Arabic league or, or the MLS
0: Graham, great stuff, thanks a million Enjoy your World Cup lads You too, take care, talk soon OTB AM With Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent modes.